Um, I, you know, I couldn't be happier to do this because third time is a charm, right? Um, We've been trying to do this for a minute and today is the day, right now is the time and we're making it happen. So thank you for sharing your time and your your light that just beams, like you're just the source of light. It's really, really nice. Oh, wow. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Those are big words. Big compliment coming from you. Yeah, no, for me, no, the truth is speaking right now. It's bigger than me, for sure. And who I'm speaking to, welcome to It's About Time. And what a fitting title for this conversation. It's been a long time coming. It is about time. Welcome, Fimo Mitchell. I'm going to start off as I usually do your bio. So here we go. Fimo Mitchell is a meditation guide, a writer, and a podcast host. He began meditating in 2009 during his first trip to India. Since then, he's spent thousands of hours in meditation and completed two mindfulness courses. Last summer, he founded When the Village a nonprofit dedicated to offering meditation programs to members of racialized and marginalized communities. Earlier last month, FEMO released his third book titled Pastel Remembrances. Pastel Remembrances is an offering of 16 short stories that will take readers to different places from where they start. Every Tuesday, he hosts We Are Home, a podcast featuring 10 minutes of meditation followed by five minutes of insightful speech. Welcome, FEMO Mitchell. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to this. Me too. And I, I'm really grateful we're doing this. So I'm going to say straight up, straight off the bat, like we have wanted to do this for a minute. And um, there have always been reasons why it just didn't pan out. Even today, we tried to do this three separate times. But your willingness, your openness, and your eagerness has always been, you know, paramount for for me to see that this was always something you also wanted to do. So just giving me your time is something that I value, and I just really want to share, like, my gratitude about that, because I feel like we're going to have a lot of insightful, and I pray that's the case, insightful and thoughtful things to say today. And whoever's listening needs to hear this today, right now. I, I, that is my hope, and that's the intention. Yes, yes, I like yeah. that. I like yeah, that. that's the, so. I just read your bio, friend. How you feel hearing about you? <laughs> you know, bios are always really weird to write. First of all. Because you Absolutely. write it in person, and then to hear someone read it, like I never read my bio, to hear someone yes. read it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's me. And it's you, but it's not you. You know what I mean? There is, yeah, there's, it's, it's the, like that yeah. 2.0 version of you or that polished <laughs> version of you. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't talk about all my issues. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> But it's 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 cool to know that I've done some things or I'm doing some things. That's mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so it's encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, how did your journey into meditation begin? Mm. Because I don't want to take for granted 2009, and that's already 11 years or 12 years that you're doing your thing. That it sounds simple, right? But 
How did that seed get planted? I think um, it might have been planted uh, from when I first started going to church. You see, there was a time that I, I, I was a Christian. From 19 to 25, maybe, I don't know when I, I stopped, but I was going to church. Um, well, I went to China at 24, and so then, or 23, and so I would come back from China in the summer and still go to church. But before going to China, I was in church every Sunday. And okay. I went to church initially because of this girl that I liked. You know, that's why I went to church. But I stayed. That is so funny. That is so funny. But I stayed because I actually really enjoyed the singing and I liked, uh, I, I read the Bible a few times. I just enjoyed the stories and I was like, this is the spirituality of it. I, it, it felt yeah. like this is something I needed. You know, I, I, I didn't have anything like that before in my life. So I liked it. And like, right. up with the girl maybe a few months after I started church anyways, still friends. But I'm sure you saw it as like, she was the vessel that brought you to this newness, right? right. To this place right. you wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, you it was, have me thinking of Russell Simmons, right? Because he started doing yoga because the women were gorgeous in the class and it was what was attractive to him. And now he's like, you know, hip hop's number one yogi, which I think is amazing because he's also showing a different lifestyle and opportunity for people. But it's the same, it was the same initial feeling like, oh, there's a girl over there. <laughs> you know? I, I, she told me, she told me flat out, I don't date men that are not saved. So I'm like, saved from what? Like, what What do I need to right, be saved right. from? You know, like, saved, like, Jesus. I'm like, I, I heard of Jesus. I didn't grow up in a religious house. Like, so, you know, like, I, I knew who Jesus was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The whole salvation thing. I didn't get that. So mm -hmm. I started to go to um, Bible, study, Bible study initially, and then church. And then I enjoyed it. And I stayed. And, um, and... In many ways, that's what opened my curiosity to, mm -hmm. to, um, to spirituality. And leaving, once I left the church for different reasons, um, okay. <laughs> I realized that being in religion is, is about being a believer. Um, and I realized being a believer was, was, was good for a time, but mm -hmm. I needed explore what it, I need to explore truth and seek mm -hmm. and so then I, you know perfect I, yeah. I don't mean to cut you but that was what I was going to ask is that you weren't blind to questioning right no. because a lot, a lot of the times we walk into religion as a believer um, and we just believe everything but sometimes we don't stop to question well this was written by somebody to affect me a certain way and that somebody is is um stereotypically systemically a man so mm -hmm. how things were written by this man to affect me and my culture in my culture in my womanness whatever that may be is affecting me a certain way so i have the opportunity and the right to think of things critically but the spiritual part in me wants to close my eyes and believe fully you know, because that's also a, a, a like a, a blanket almost 
of like a peaceful blanket that just gives you something to believe in. But you can only do that as a critically thoughtful person for so long. And that's what happened to me. That's exactly so what So I, I totally hear you. I, I really yeah. hear you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I was sharing with you just before I'm a Hindu and grew up Hindu, super, totally happy with that. But I went to Catholic elementary school and I went to Catholic high school. So I grew up understanding Catholicism very, very easily. And I found it now I think it's a beautiful existence to have had this like dualistic kind of way of learning religion. But I didn't understand my religion as well because we're from Trinidad. We don't speak Hindi. So we pray in a language we don't speak, right? And so understanding and questioning, it was always like, just shut up and do and follow the ritual versus understanding the meaning. And I now that I'm older, dude, I can't even get mad as much as I was then because my parents didn't know either. They were taught to shut up and do, right? And the fact that the religion stayed intact through slavery and indentured slavery and different years and iterations is awesome. But I still have questions like, what? Why do we do that? And so obviously I had to take up my own opportunity to learn. But now I'm just like, how do I even explain that moving forward? Because you really have to understand it to explain it to somebody. So who was I to beg my parents or not beg, bug my parents to be like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Right. They don't know. They don't know. (laughs) No, it's, I mean, that's, uh, that's what happened. I mean, for me, um, I mean, there was no religion passed on. Like in your family, the religion was passed down, right? Like for me, it wasn't passed down, but I just, it was more a question of, at the time, I mean, I just finished grad school in journalism. I mean, you know, as a journalist, you're taught to to be curious, to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, truth, mm-hmm. pursue truth. And truth is a process. You don't just like wake up one day and you have the truth. You're mm. constantly like you're constantly working towards the truth. And right. and so um leaving the church in many ways doesn't mean I left God. Absolutely. <laughs> I left the church. It it was a bit scary because I had good friends there and it became mm-hmm. like but it just didn't feel right for me for different reasons. And mm-hmm. like one of the main ones was this whole thing about false religions, like other religions were false. Mm-hmm. And the other one was, you know, uh, no one can get to, uh, no one gets to, no one gets to heaven or something like that, but through, but like- my, but, but through my father. Or like, so you have to come through, you know, no one gets to heaven, but through, Christ or something like that. I forgot the verse. Okay. If my are listening, they're going to be mad at me. But the point is, I had an issue with that because I was like, well, I'm at that point, I was living in China. I was like, there's 1.3 billion people here. And most of the people here don't believe in Jesus. You tell me, mm-hmm. don't hell. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. trouble with that. And then, it, so every summer, imagine I come home, I go back to church, and they're preaching this false religion everyone has to know jesus and and i'm like oh wait a minute i live in a place where people that's not the case yeah and and they're not i refuse to believe that they're going to some hell Mm -hmm. then after a while you know it's i when you when you when you get to a point where you're sitting in church and you you can't amen anything 
it's time to go. And so I just left. And it's, but it's not a bad thing because you didn't leave God, like you no. said. You didn't leave what brings you that blanket. Right. You you just leave I just left the church because I needed to seek. I needed to seek truth. And that's so I say that's what began probably just that curiosity. And then once I was in China, there's temples everywhere. So you go to temples, you know, you hang out with monks <laughs> and and then, um, you know, watching them and that stuff before you know it, you start sort of mirroring some of the things that you see and mm -hmm. uh, that stillness and that that way to sit and to and then go to India and you know meeting some sadhus <laughs> and and um, meditating and so it, I think it's just been a journey, right? And and so, but I think it might have started with diving religion. I always say religion is what opened the door for me to seek truth, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm seeking, you know, so. Mm -hmm. So. And the curiosity and the other elements that allowed you to seek out other versions of the truth you needed and other definitions of truth that resonate with you. Mm. Um, and I feel like you just glazed over, oh, yeah, because I was in China and I'd come back and then India. But <laughs> um, let's just kind of throw into it, like go into that now that you've traveled extensively and I learned today it was a lot longer than I thought originally. So how long did you live in China? Uh, almost 17 years. Yeah, right? Almost. I thought you were going to say 10. So when you said 17, I was like, oh, okay. That's a huge part of your adulthood. Yeah, yeah, you, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. did you feel welcomed or did you feel like an outsider? Uh, that's... <laughs> I, um, in some ways I was very welcome, but you can be welcomed uh, to a certain degree. And China is always going to be, you're always going to be, um, the word for foreigner in China is Laowai. Um, and so you're always going to be a Laowai. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you live for 10 years, you know, you're always going to be an outsider in many ways. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Canada is an immigrant country, right? Um, you know, so... If you walk down the street, a Chinese person walks down the street, if I walk down, no, just assume that we're from here, you know. No yeah, or that we have every right to claim this space as ours. Yeah, and yeah. It's important, where, whereas in China, when you walk down the street, no one is ever going to think, oh, you're from Shanghai. Like, yeah. so where are you from? It really means. <laughs> really, right, yeah. You mean, like, where are you? Like, you're not from here, we know. Uh, where are you from? And so you're always going to be an outsider. Um, mm -hmm. in, in Japan, it's the same thing. In Korea, it's the same thing. You're always going to be an outsider. Right. And, um, but I enjoy that, to be honest with you. Being an outsider, there's pros and cons, obviously. But, okay, let's but, talk about it. But the, the pros of being an outsider is that as a writer, you get to really observe. You're not in it. So you get to really observe it, right? There's a little bit of distance, so you can really look at it and examine and ask questions and be curious. And you can, and sometimes and you can outside, lean in. You yeah. Can lean, yeah. And sometimes being an outsider, you can get away with saying things that might not be all the way developed, but someone might be like, oh, well, you're an outsider, so we'll, we'll go easy on you. And, mm. you know, so, you know, there's 
tons of things I had to learn about China that mm -hmm. I didn't know. Like I go out to China, I just thought it's Chinese people. I didn't know there's like 55 different ethnic groups out there. And like the Han Chinese are the majority. So when we say oh, the Chinese people, what we really mean are the Han people. So that's the assumption, the stereotype that we've been shown is what we believe to be one thing. Yeah, and that's what yeah. we think everybody is, right? Yeah. And all these different things that I didn't know, right? And so learning that was, was for me, they, I, I find people are patient sometimes when you're an outsider. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like they want to show you different things. And so, and, and so you get, sometimes you get different, you get to see things that maybe I wouldn't have seen if I was in the culture because I would expect it to know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So it felt good at times. Obviously, when you're an outsider, you pay more. You There's, there's pros and cons, you know. Um, but also what I'm hearing and the vibe that I'm catching from you is that that curiosity is really what ignites you. Yeah, and yeah. living on the fringe of anything can allow you to always be in that space of learning and adapting and curiosity building like that's something that can kind of really continue to like build the fiber that's female you know what i mean like you get to have all of those experiences from those 17 years all the traveling all the conversations all of those those chance opportunities those meetings develop who you are right like right. and that doesn't happen overnight and that doesn't happen not everybody's destiny is to travel extensively for 17 years. You know what I mean? Like not everybody has that in them. So mm -hmm. that's part of your story that was developed from long before. Like just wanting to be a journalist started right. that started that. Right. Just that right. willingness to want to capture what you thought was the truth and deliver it started that journey. You know what I mean? Like I find that really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know that, I mean, journalism is all about, like, well, what's, what's really happening over here? Like, like, what is this? And ask yeah. those you know, yeah, you know, what's wild? I didn't get accepted to the journalism program. That was my biggest aha moment. Um, as like a young person with schooling and stuff, I didn't have another plan. For me, it was journalism. And at the time of applying for, for J school, I was already running my own magazine. So I was like, of course I'm going to get in. Not that I was overconfident, but I had like that work acumen, like, you know what I mean? Like I was willing to do it, but you know, I've, I've come to see later in life, my grammar is horrible. I can speak well, but writing my grammar is absolutely horrible. And yes, I know that's what copy editors are for, but my grammar, like just, I, I'm now in my head about it, but I did not get accepted to the program. And it shattered me. I'm telling you, it shattered me. I didn't know what to do because I didn't see myself doing anything else but what I love doing, which is in the end, this. Right. So I right. guess my first lesson is F it, figure it out on your own because you're going to find your way anyways. Right. You know, because right. almost all of the journalists that I know because I did work in media and I have been in that field they were just like oh my god it was horrible trying to find work and look your charismatic self or you know you found a way in anyways or you get in where you fit in and now because we can own and do our own thing I am so happy that I didn't go through the traditional channel because maybe I would resist doing this right like disrupting the market by doing my own thing 
I'm really happy that I'm open to this. You know what I mean? I'm really, really happy. So important. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I didn't get in initially. Like when I applied from Vanier, I applied to journalism, but my second choice was communication. So I didn't get into Mm. journalism, but I got into communications. And Mm. so I did four years and then I went to grad school in journalism. And so that was just like a year and a half or whatnot. So that was okay. And I think it's good. I don't think you should do journalism for three years. I think it, it messes up your voice, like your your writing voice, your your actual mm. like. You know, yeah. I think I think I think it's good. Just all you need is a year a year of that stuff. You know. Um, I feel you. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. So I think it was it worked out. But the way I mean, it worked out for you as well. Clearly. <laughs> But that's the funny thing. That's why this podcast is so important, because when we are looking at something in the moment, all we see is that thing. We don't know how we're going to navigate it when it doesn't go our way. And the truth of it is, rarely things go our way. Mm -hmm. It's the resilience we have, the resilience we build because we don't have it, or the, the people we meet, the networks we have, all of those factors that get us to what we're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be some bigger than oh when I grow up I want to do x and it just happens you know what I'm saying it's rare right right and and that brings me back to like how did meditation so we started talking about like the fact that you are into meditation deeply and that you you offer a podcast and you meditate daily and you offer this service but how how did you know it was meditation like how did that calling come oh I think the, at first, I just meditated because I enjoyed it personally. But once I start seeing um, different changes, or people around me start noticing different things, like just it was one time I came back from a, a winter holiday in China. Your Chinese New Year holiday is like a month, so you go away. It's great. And I came right, back, right. and this, and I, I think I had come back from an ashram in India. Yeah, I had, and 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 one of the teachers in the office was like. Oh, and it's like, it's like you're just floating around here. I said, I don't know, but everything in my body feels so calm right now. And I feel like I can feel everything. I said, I feel like I can feel like, <laughs> I said, I feel Air. like over there. I said, I, could, I, I feel like I can even talk to the tree. And it was just, I was making jokes, but I was very serious at the same time. I just felt, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an interconnectedness that, is undeniable. There's a, yeah. a unity that is, you know, that oneness that's always that's always been present. Yeah, and that's and who we are as human beings. It's what we come out of. The universe is one. It's wholeness. Health is about wholeness, really, to me. And to be in an environment where that is all you focus on, you can't help. Like in ter- in terms of being in the ashram for like a month, you can't help but come out and just mm-hmm. like, oh okay and then you practice and it just it's almost like you you're not i think we spend most of our life being disembodied going and practicing you be, you embody all the things that you want to be like love compassion empathy non-judgment you start to embody all of that and you and it's almost right. like you stop being disembodied because when you're disembodied that's when you're um, vulnerable and vulnerable, not in a good sense. You're, yeah. vulnerable. You're vulnerable to disease and to all types and, of issues, and you know. 
but also in our community that vulnerability in our community that vulnerability also manifests as um walls you know not letting people in like it's the physical change of your physical your physiology being at like a low point but also how you interpret that and you don't give love or your expectation of love might be abusive or your your experience of love and your acceptance of love might be a, in a level of that's abusive mm-hmm. and what i really feel it's on my heart to say right now is you feel like an anomaly in the sense that you are a an amazing gifted young black man who has opened himself up for and to be vulnerable mm-hmm. accept and receive and give love and be strong and firmly planted in this lifestyle of openness and truth and meditation and holistic living and veganism. Yes, we see that, but we don't see that often mirrored from members of our community at all times. So Mm. there's also a level of you being a leader and empowering young men, I would hope, and young women even, or older, it doesn't matter, men and women to also say there's some positivity that can come into my life that to me is large that's huge i i you know i that's the that's the plan right that's why i have when the village meditates you know and um you know that's why i enjoy the group meditations and that's what is for me i just i get excited about the opportunity for people to discover to experience like, hey, I can't control all the madness that happens out there. I can't control Legault and his madness. I can't control mm-hmm. Trudeau. I can't control uh, the onslaught of racism, of sexism, of classism, of ageism, uh, of ableism. I can't control all that out there. There's different things that I can do to fight against it, to resist. Right. But I, it's, I can't control those things that are happening. But what I can control is my uh, and and when people when people feel that when they experience that they're like even regardless of all this madness there's peace here even though I'm angry at times and I'm sad at times and but the underlying current is peace when people mm-hmm. point ah that's when because that's when people stop the this idea of sometimes we can feel hopeless sometimes mm-hmm. we can feel this, well what can we do there's nothing we can mm-hmm. do right? And you don't feel you don't feel hopeless when when you know that you can control your inner your inner world. When you know you can control your inner world, you're like, well, regardless of the waves that may come, I'm gonna mm-hmm. surf, and I'm gonna teach other people to surf. Just mm-hmm. actually by you surfing, it's not even like question of you teaching. Just by you surfing, that energy, that frequency that you're on. Is going to impact the people around you and that's beautiful like that's 100 that's 100 100 you're right you know i can share with you um when i was younger i started the music magazine it was called vinyl right like i started when i was 15. so i was in high school myself and my partner were doing this thing yeah i was crazy young the whole thing was wild but like i didn't recognize how much stress I had onboarded until like I was freeing because I was just taking it all in. Everything was fine. Everything was fine. Everything was fine. Everything was fine. That's how I was taking it in. But then um, 
I ended up having a stalker through the radio station I was working at and the cops had to be involved. I had like, it was this big thing and it completely like, like I couldn't speak. Like I was just like, hands up. Everything has to stop right now. Right. And that's when I started going to yoga. And I remember my first class, I was like, what is this? Right. Like, this is crazy. But it was crazy because it felt like it was something natural, but it's something I had rejected. So my first yoga class, I walk in, I'm like six years old. And the teacher says, we're going to spend the last 10 minutes of just lying here and just don't think. I remember being like, what the fuck is this? Don't think. (laughs) And I remember, I remember her saying, like she, like she knew this is hard. Just say and let it go. And it took me about, I want to say six months, six months to be able to do that with a challenge. And then I remember one day after class being like, I didn't have any thoughts. Oh my God, it worked. And that's when I recognized that this is a practice and this is something you have to walk into. And this is something you can't be judgmental about and you have to let it ebb and flow however it's supposed to and I had this level of peace within me that maybe also made me seem older too because it was like sage wisdom for a 16 year old but like I had this level of peace within me that let me understand that no matter what came at me it would be dealt with in its own and I do have a huge regret that I stopped practicing for a good amount of years. Mm. And not because of the physical piece. Yes, that bothers me. But that that imbalance between my mind knowing things will be okay and like levels of anxiety, not really believing it. Mm. In it. Right. And now it's back at that space of equilibrium. Right. So every time like I'm starting to practice again and I'm like, fuck, why didn't you continue? I'm like, calm down. This is the, the and this is this. And this. Like you're supposed to be thinking about like your present and you're happy. And, you know what I mean? But that peacefulness and that floating is I, fi- I, I find that the, the, the biggest high you'll ever have, the, the most euphoric feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, even after having a kid, like a, it trumps it all because you're like you're you're like in the universe walking, and you can see yourself walking almost. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, it's yeah. special, yeah. Yeah. and I really want to. I want. I just have to thank you for being like this beautiful black man who wants to do this for us because we need more of you. We need you. And not to put too much pressure on your shoulders, because, I mean, you're doing this for you, but people need to see you and recognize that they can see themselves in this process as well. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because I spent 17 years, almost 17 years in China where I, I didn't really, when you're out there, you're a foreigner, so I didn't. I wasn't so, I wasn't the black man, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're a foreigner, like, I, of course, I know. And, you know, but at the same time, um, it all, because you're a foreigner and you're on the outside, you're on the outside, right? It gives you mm-hmm. time to grow as well. 
because you're not. Mm. Like, you don't have to conform to anything. You don't have to. You could just yeah. That, that's 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 a big thing when you're like here in North America. Oh man, like I'm the black man walking down the street. I'm the black man going to a store. I'm the, so it's and you feel like there's there's the gaze. <laughs> there's a gaze that's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a different gaze than being a foreigner. It's a different gaze. It's a different gaze. It's a absolutely. And I think that's important to bring up. Like that's why is there racism in China? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is is um, but I will say this. I've traveled to I've lived in small towns. I've traveled to so many small towns. When I say I've traveled around China, I've traveled around China like all around. And to go to small towns where people have never seen anyone that looks like me and my black friend who I was with, <laughs> the two of us, and the love that we would receive, the love that we would receive. is unreal. It's yeah. amazing. And yeah. so that's where people, they, it gets lost sometimes because I challenge people to, people that, <laughs> us as black people, brown people to go to small towns in North America Let's see if we get the same love. I'm not sure. I'm not taking that challenge. I'm not taking that. I'm not. And I'm asking anybody who's watching or listening, if you take that challenge, take it in heed. Because I remember just, you know, I think it was Trois-Rivières or like Sherbrooke or something. And I did not. I think years ago, I was like, oh, wherever I am, I'm not, you know, and I don't, I don't want to know that feeling. Like, I don't, I, I'm a, uh, I, and, and I say that my life is happening. We see how people are being treated and, and it's hard not to, you know, it's hard not to discuss it. It's hard not to feel that anxiety or emotion, but I feel you about being on the edge. And, and I have been on the edge my entire life being born and raised in Quebec. And this is what I mean. I am born to Trinidadian Indian parents, right? right? right, right. I have never felt, and nobody's ever disclude, like like said to me, you're not welcome. But I have never felt open arms welcomed by an Indian. I'm not Indian. I'm West Indian. So I didn't grow up feeling encadré, embraced by Right. But once again, nobody said to me, you're not welcome. I just never felt it. You know what I mean? Like, I never felt this. And you're, you come also from this line of descendants. Come on through. I never felt that door open for me. Right. So I've always felt like I've always felt the door was open for me with my West Indian and family members. Like, I've always felt... Like within my own family, yeah, for sure, I felt comfortable and and still do. But like that community vibe, I felt it specifically within the West Indian. And I've spoken to a couple other West Indian Indian folks that I've met along the way. And that's the first thing that we connect on is like that feeling of not belonging, not knowing where to fit in not understanding even our own religion at times or or cultural impacts. And then where do you go? You know, like, and and then what? It's really interesting that even without leaving, I can tell you that I felt 
that being on the fray and hearing you say that it gave you an opportunity to like learn and grow and stretch yourself. I would agree with you in the sense that it, it made me do my own research and study up as to why there were Indians and blacks in Trinidad. Right. Like how did that, why did that happen? And understand the, 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 the slavery and the colonialism and the supremacy, like have to understand why it happened because right. there's a big population of Indians in Trinidad and I need to understand it, you know? So yeah. And, and not hear it through a family member and their version of it, but like research that and have an understanding because it's important to me. And I will tell you this, I did live in Toronto for a while. This is when I was much, I remember calling one of my sisters on the bus because I tripped. I got on the bus. I was going to Scarborough to visit my cousin or my aunt or something. And everybody on the bus was an immigrant. Every single person, the bus driver was a person of color. Every single person on the bus was a person of color including like there was one or two like white looking people, but they were definite immigrants, like either Slavic or Russian or Middle Eastern, I mean, Eastern European. Like they were definitely not Canadian born and bred. Mm -hmm. And I was like 21 or 22. I called my sister and I was like, I don't know what to do. I feel, I, I feel so uncomfortable. And she was like, why? I'm like, because I've lost my edge, I'm not the only brown girl anymore. The whole bus is full of brown people. And being from Montreal, you're laughing. We've never seen that. We have never seen an entire bus of people that belong to be there, that deserve to be there, that need to be there, all be from a different ethnicity and minority group. I've never seen it in Canada, in, in, in Montreal. Uh, well, Still. Come, come to come to Cotonage Mall. My people. <laughs> okay, so that's a good point because where you grow up has a lot to do with what your ex- what your experience is, right? Right, right? But you're you're absolutely right. It wasn't something that I would see on a regular basis, and I remember being like, "This is this is really cool," but I was also intimidated. You know what right. I mean? Like this is it's different for me, but it's cool. Cool. You lost your edge. Yeah, you're like, laughing at me. It's true. I remember that day like. You know, it's funny because mm-hmm. I grew up in Lachine, and Lachine was is very it was very Quebecois, you know. So like we like I always say like my street and then Duff Court, it was you had color, you know. But at the end of the day, um, it's interesting to see how the demographic. You've noticed the demographics in Montreal have changed. Yeah, changed. I love it. A lot more yeah. color. And not everyone loves it, you know. Uh, <laughs> there's some people that they want the great white north to continue that way, or in Quebec, the great, the great white French north to continue that way. Yeah, and yeah. we have love for them too. We just don't like them. Um, but, mm. but um, you know, it's interesting when you say that feeling of being an outsider, because for me, like my dad is from Alabama. My mom is born here. Her mom was born here. My so my maternal my maternal grandmother is a hundred. Her parents came from Guyana. She my grandmother went to Guyana one time. She doesn't know anything about Guyana. She's here. She's Canadian. She's Canadian, yes. And, and my mother's my mother's father 
um, my grandfather who passed away in 2003, he was also born here. His father was a um, French guy and his mother was from Guadeloupe. So he's also here, like he was. So what I'm saying is like when going to Vanier for the first time, I always say that was my first time going to a school where it wasn't just me and my sisters, the only black kids. Like I went to Vanier, so I got like, now I got a bunch of black kids, people that look like me. I see, we got brown, we got, we got uh, Mediterranean, Greeks, Italians, we got- Everything, oh, yeah. This is, oh, my mind was blown. I had never seen so many pretty women in my, like all these girls, yeah. like, oh my, <laughs> this is wonderful. I loved it, I loved it. And so it's I- It's crazy. It was it great. Is. It was great, but the one thing that kept coming back was like, no, no, racine. And I'm like, well, listen, if I got, like, because I was always like, I'm from here. Yeah, but where are you really from? Like, I'm here. Like, I'm not trying to hide anything, but I'm really from here. And and so then it was like, yeah. So within, because Montreal and Toronto, every most, most black people, are their ancestry is from the West Indies. At the time, they were most of them were first generation Canadians. You know, they yeah, yeah. And, they, and they're from the West Indies. They expected that from me, and that wasn't my story. And so there For wasn't you as well. Yeah. yeah they, they, so most would say, Oh, you're Scotian. You're Scotian. I'm like, No, I'm not Scotian. I was just going to say, So if you were from North, like Nova Scotia, it would make sense that you said you're from here because of the history of Nova Scotia. But it's hard for people to wrap their head around. Right. But what do you mean? Where are you really from? Right. Yeah. That's why I jump up. You'll never see me with a flag. Because what flag could I possibly carry? I'm not going to carry that horrible maple leaf thing. That's horrible. That's like my kryptonite. I would never carry the American flag. You know how much blood is on that flag? Like, so what flag would I possibly carry? I don't know Guyana and I don't know Guadeloupe. Um, for me, I, I, I just so I, that's why you don't see me with a flag. And we, we don't want to get into flags anyways, but my point is, <laughs> yeah, this, I this, totally understand. This whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. I understand that idea of uh, that sense of not really belonging to. So that's why I'm very happy when people talk black. Because I'm like, oh, OK, I can feel you on that. But when people talk like a sp specific island and they're like, I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, am I included or excluded? <laughs> am, I, am I with you? I don't know. And, you know. Because ultimately, we all want a place of belonging and we all want to feel connected, right? And so to bring it back to what you're doing, you are offering a space of connectedness right. with, with it being under the, 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 the blanket topic or not topic, the blanket group of marginalized or, or ra racialized because we don't have enough of this in our community. We don't have enough of this, period. But in our community, to have a safe space to just maybe even have a young brother or sister say they're scared or they're tired or an older person be like, I can't, I can't believe we are still talking about this stuff and dealing with this stuff and living this stuff and fighting this stuff and birthing this stuff like it just keeps happening and you would think that we fought 
I'm sure they're thinking we fought for this already. We've been fighting for this. I'd like to stop fighting and know that my kids and their generations and other generations don't have to pick up that fight. It, the exhaustion of it all needs a place to kind of breathe and be vulnerable and be scared and have all of your pieces coming apart, you know, and need to be stuck back together with some crazy glue and then go back out and then come. And we don't, we don't talk about this enough. We don't talk about the need to have um, hugs. Yo, you know, interesting. I was just on a complete part of this conversation, but aside, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about systemic and generational ways love was not shown to blacks in America because systemically you were you were stolen and brought somewhere mm-hmm. and you were not allowed to be showing or given love because then you would show to your keeper or your owner who that person then keep you more vulnerable or afraid or remove that source right so all of these sources of love are ripped away and what we know especially in parenting with how to love is through pain because that's what they were to do better you must feel to do better you must feel to not do that again you must feel and even talking about it is so it's so heavy because mm-hmm. now i have a baby and we laugh we're gonna give her legs you know as my husband and i are talking and, and we're not gonna give you you've just realized like sometimes you got licks as a child because your parent didn't have the patience, the peace, the time, the opportunity to kind of show you all the reasons they, that you shouldn't. They were just like reacting because they know how to react. Right. It's wild to, yeah. To, yeah. to unpeel all of that. Yeah. And it's sad because the, 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 the words that they used was, the words were, love, Black love is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And, and that hit me. That that hit me hard. That really it, it like it like sucker punched me because why is it revolutionary? Because we weren't given that chance. Because we weren't allowed to express it. We weren't. Allowed, you know what I mean? So I feel like I'm giving you all of this backstory to throw back at you that mm. what you're doing is revolutionary, even though you may think it's a simple act. You're giving love. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, it's I, it's almost like if I'm if I'm my job is like a lumberjack or whatnot, I'm supposed to cut down a tree, a tree, and I got I got a saw, and I'm just what I'm doing is just doing this. I'm just cutting, and at some point I'll look up and see what 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 work I've done, but you know, um, because if 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 I start thinking. Oh, I'm doing some really important stuff here. The stuff I'm doing is revolutionary. Uh, you know, we all have an it ego. It won't be the same. Yeah. <laughs> we all have an ego. I, next, listen, you might try to do an interview with me. I'll be like, no, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I'm a little too busy right now. <laughs> I'm not beyond that. I, I'm not beyond any of that. So um, I just I focus, feel you. Just I feel focus you. on the work. I just focus on the work. 
and and um, and celebrate. I mean, listen, it's what you said. There was so much in there. I was like, I, I think about mm-hmm. my parents. I think about my parents and growing up, and and I think about the fact that we like. I used to watch sitcoms and see kids tell their parents they love them, or parents tell their kid that they love them, but that was never. That never happened in my house, you know, but I knew yeah. my parents loved me, you know, right. I knew my parents loved me, but, you know, in a black house that you, love might be shown by, you know, you, your mom's going to make your favorite food, you know, yeah. your dad's going to tell you a story that's going to not just help you for that year, but actually help me for my life, you mm-hmm. know, like, so like, like even writing this book, <laughs> When I dedicated the book, I knew I wanted to dedicate the book to my dad. Um, you know, I felt like last year for Mother's Day, I wrote a song for my mom. You know, um, I don't rap, but I, I I rapped a song for her, you know, and I put a beat on it. And I just wanted to send something to my mom. And so I was like, my mom is good now. I'm going to dedicate this book to my dad. And people could be like, well, you could do both at the same time. I was like, no, I really want the spotlight to be on one person. You know, right, so right. I want the spotlight to be on my dad. One, because... I know that a lot of times we don't celebrate black fathers. Um, and now I understand there's a, a lot of black fathers that are missing for a variety of reasons. I understand that. So I, <laughs> I don't want to even be like, well, but I'm just saying for me, having a father who was present, who, who I, I, it was, it was an honor. I get to like write something for him. And so it's, for me, it's, a, it's my favorite line in the book. Is actually the line I Your write. Your dedication. Yeah, it's probably my favorite line because I write. I write very simply to the hippie who named me, who taught me, and encouraged me to see the world, and that was it. Beautiful. But can I just back up for a sec? I see so many beautiful examples of black fathers and West Indian fathers or or, or people of color fathers yeah. that. Um, I I definitely know there are other situations where it's not always that way, but I think you're onto something to want to say that because it's it is very present for some of us or for hopefully more than some of us, yeah. and we shouldn't we shouldn't act like that's an anomaly. You right. know, it's right. also weirdly enough how media has portrayed the system of fatherhood right. and 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 how involved and or uninvolved West you know fathers of color are and that's a whole other story in itself too as to why that happens but there are more fathers that I know that are present than are aren't Mm -hmm. and while some might be broken as well did they know to do the work did Mm -hmm. they understand what work needed to be done and and I I know this is a whole nother topic but I love 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 that you dedicated that to your dad and that you have a great relationship with your dad because that's a special thing man and it doesn't it it has to have its own evidence because as you were a child and now you're a man you have a different relationship with your dad and some some dads can't ever wrap their head around the fact that their kid is now an adult you know like that's no no, totally different and you know I, i mean i look at my parents and they did the best with what they knew. And 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 growing up, what meditation has brought me is acceptance. Acceptance that they, mm. did, they did the best with what they knew. And and even for things that I 
felt like they messed up on. They could have done this differently. Um, let go. And, and, and this is where forgiveness comes in. Forgiveness is like, I let go of the emotional attachment to that situation. Like, oh, that. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what, that's what happened. I'm not going to say that's what had to happen. That's what happened. It happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't even need to explain why it happened. It happened. And, and, and here I am in this moment. And let's see what's there. So meditation, I sit and, and is there still anger there? Okay, there's still anger today. Where is it in my body? Can I accept that it's there? Okay. And then the next day, come back and it's still there? Mm, okay. And keep working through it. Keep working through it. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and the body is such a beautiful vessel to work through all this stuff. But it's that acceptance, not, not judging. Like sometimes we, we judge the thoughts we have. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, but I shouldn't be thinking about this. You had the thought. Now you, so now you're going to beat yourself up but for then, having the thought. Yeah. Like we're going to, you know, that's just, you know, and, and so the, the beauty of it, of this practice, what I started to realize was that I can work through past trauma. I can work through um, everything that I've stored in my cells, everything that's in my bones. Yeah. I can sit yeah. and work and if because I'm, don't forget, it is stored in our bodies, right? Everything is stored at a cellular level. And I don't think we stop to really think about that and where those pain bodies are oh. and why. Because it could have happened and we don't even remember. And I think a lot of us choose not to meditate because we don't even want to know what we're I mean like a lot of people it's like a oh I'm not ready for that today we're not going there and it just becomes a every day no no because once you really sit in it it'll come hey hey see you said the magic words if you one of the best things but one of the best but also um most difficult things I've done was the Vipassana meditation you know the 10-day retreat where you sit in silence, you meditate all day for 10 days in silence, no talking. There's all these people, but no talking. And you don't, when you don't talk and you have no phone, no books, nothing to write, you have nothing. All you have is you, you're sitting there, you meditate. Stuff will come up. All that stuff that you've suppressed, that you thought you got over, Mm -hmm. (laughs) stuff will come up. By day four, I was crying, I had, I was like, man, I thought I cried all these tears in China. Oh, there was still some more stuff that needed to come up, you know? Right. Um, and what an experience, what an experience. And I really, I really think that I'm, I know I'm not the only one that has stuff that needed to come up and stuff will continue to come up. Of course. And, and, of course. and uh, it's really, it's one of those things that I came out of that and I said to myself, wow, let me make sure I'm not adding any more stuff you know so so whatever whenever something happens let me let me right away okay this is this is me this is the experience all right this is the experience and stick with the experience what tends mm. to happen, we tend to get into like the thoughts about the experience oh this person didn't call me because this person thinks this about me and meanwhile the experience is my heart's beating a little faster right now, and I'm feeling a little anxious. That's the experience. Mm. 
thought your, your mind is creating this story around mm -hmm. it and all these thing, other things yeah and next thing you know you're wrapped up in the story and you forgot you left the experience and my thing is now let me can i just be brave enough courageous enough to really feel it then whatever it is if it's pleasant we all love the pleasant stuff oh, but no. if it's not it's yeah not, ah, that's the thing if it's not can i still feel it and most of us, yeah. we don't. We want to numb our, We want to numb it. So we drink, we we sex ourselves up, we we drug ourselves up, legally and illegally, <laughs> mainly illegal, mainly legal. <laughs> the the pharmaceutical industry <laughs> is huge. Um, you know, we do all these things, whatever it's Netflix, to whatever. To numb the feeling. Whatever it is to numb it. Yeah, we don't want to feel it because we know it's there. There's something there. There's this, you know. Whenever we have those quiet moments. We know something, we know, yes, we know inherently something needs to be funny. And I'm happy you said, funny, ironic, that you said brave before, because when we were talking about like the, the misrepresentation of, of like, what father, I mean, you know, thinking about how black men are portrayed and is that, you know, they're, 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 I hate these words, like this and that on TV. And slowly, like molasses slow, it's changing. But the image of a tough man would be this, this like gun-toting, really hard-shelled person. But when you were talking about the bravery, I started thinking, like, that's a really, like, to be able to sit in something that might be painful and to come out of it like rejuvenated and and free of that feeling and of the 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 pain source that's so hard to do that it takes somebody with real guts to sit in it and look at it and be in it and let it go that to me should be the representation of of powerful and strong mm -hmm. but we wouldn't see it that way right well, maybe, we're not, not yeah. prone to see it that way but i don't think it's yeah yeah, absolutely. That could be that could be a depiction. You know, like I just Maybe. need we need multiple. We need many depictions. You know, like they can they can continue to have the gun toting, you know, dude there if that makes them feel good. But um, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Getting back to your point about just you know, when you talked about how a space where older people can be like, I thought we fought this. You know, like even how we fight. We fight as black people, as people of color, how we fight. Yeah. I think we have to. I'm I'm now understanding that maybe the reason why we haven't gotten further ahead in creating a more compassionate, empathetic environment is because one, how compassionate, empathetic are we as individuals? Like one, it starts mm. with us. Like, so we we say we want peace, we want justice, you know, we want but in our personal life, like, how do we treat our sisters, our brothers, our parents, our friends? Like, are we ourselves? Like, we don't. Let's not even go there. Like, that's the we. we <laughs> you know, like, so it starts. So that's one thing right there. Like, how? And then, even now, that's that's on just dealing with ourselves and on and then dealing with ourselves in terms of our community, right? But then if we look at okay now we're gonna we're gonna resist we're gonna fight against the government we're gonna fight against these corporations. 
okay, but are we understanding the intersectionality of it all? Like when we fight for, let's say we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna fight um, for Islamic rights or Black rights, Black Lives Matter, and um, it's all it's all connected, you know. Like at the end of the day, white supremacy and patriarchy is so interwoven. Mm-hmm. If you can't dismantle white supremacy without dismantling patriarchy, which means as men and a lot of say men, that again, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of men, a lot of men, a lot of men of color, we're okay, we're we're there for Black Lives Matter, stop Asian hate, all that good stuff, right? But when it comes to like women's rights, dismantling the patriarchy, we're like, yeah. we're like now. I kind of like being, <laughs> and 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 that's why I think we don't get farther ahead, is because why we're not willing to examine the entire system, I, yeah, the system and dismantle it. Yeah, the, the system itself is like I realize in being home that I'm an ableist. I I am not sensitive to people that might not be able-bodied. I hope I'm using the right term. But like, I I realize that this is a system, this system of, of white body supremacy, of patriarchy, only benefits a 1%, only, those are only, it, 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 it damages so many of us on so many levels, some more than others. And so what I'm saying is the the battle, the, the, the resistance movements, it, it's 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 it has to be women's rights, black rights, uh, migrant workers' rights, immigration rights um, um, for those that are not able-bodied, for those that are neurodivergent. For it has to be for sex workers. It has to be for everyone that's marginalized, that's oppressed. That's it has to be because it's when white supremacy and patriarchy seeks to dehumanize all of them, all of us. Everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I don't think we, I don't think we fully understand that 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 it's all interwoven, and so um, the battle has to be. You, you to know, it's that. interesting. And what's interesting for me is that you, as a man, are able to. I see that other men want for certain rights, but then are like, hey, there's certain things I like here. Because because of how the cards have been dealt, because of how we've always seen things unfold, right? And so if a woman were to say that, it's like, oh, you're just complaining, sweetheart, right? But if a man says it, you're kind of like, oh, I can't, I can't escape what he just said because he's putting the mirror up to myself, right? Mm-hmm. A simple thing as talking about the vaccines that are rolling out for COVID, um, the fact that you, you know there's a um, for, for certain things, it's a possible reaction, right? And I saw a post today that spoke about how about we don't ever talk about women taking birth control for the past 60 years that the major side effect is blood clots. Nobody cares because who divided and devised the system? Nobody talks about it and says, oh, it's okay, it's a small side effect. But it's still that same small side effect when you're getting the vaccine and everyone's like, hands up, don't get it but you're still going to prescribe the pill and tell her, go ahead and take it. You're good. Don't worry about it. You're good. So how fair is that? And look at that huge despairing gap as to how that 
information is right because the chances of somebody actually having a blood clotting issue is very slim in comparison to the amount of women that have blood clotting issues by taking birth control. It's horrible. It's horrible. Right? So so it's an interesting thing because that's the patriarchy at hand. Let's not even talk yet. And I say let's not because it's been over an hour and I want to talk to you again and again and again. But let's not even talk about how black women or women of color are missed or underdiagnosed when it comes to medical treatment. Um, and mortality and immortality rates are so high when it comes to child rearing and delivery. It's just, it's heavy female. And I try not to dwell on the heaviness. And sometimes, let me plead ignorance now. I like to think that, oh, I'm in Montreal and we have this great healthcare system because in comparison to many places we do. Um, and, you know, I treated, I'm treated well and I'm treated fairly. But lately, I'm just like, okay, doctor, you told me X, but if I was a white woman, would you tell me what? Would you tell me Z? Would you tell me a different story? So my mind is always racing about these things. And a full circle moment, without the meditation, I would be very different. My mind would be blown. Mm. The meditation needs comes from a, a yearning. Like the meditation is something that... I can't live without now. And I can do it just for like one or two minutes even. Eh? Like it just, I, it doesn't have to be a long period of time, but that stillness within me right. needs to happen in order for me to be at work, be a mom, be a sister, be a friend, be a, a wife, be a this, be a that, be a woman of color, be a woman who's an advocate, be blah, like all of the ifs. Mm. And so I'm hoping today people connect with how positive mm meditation can have rippling effects and how positive meditation can be within their own life, but also like really that ecosystem in your, in your life. Yeah. Almost she, like I want to ask, you know, for a challenge, like listen to FEMO for 10 minutes and, and feel it, you know, like it's there for you. It's free. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, oh, I mean, the, 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 you talked about you being, you know, being with your doctor and having these thoughts, you know, and, you know, and, and that's the thing about this society, you know, the fact that, um, you know, that we have to have these extra thoughts, that we have to gauge the room, look at the mm -hmm. situation and wonder, is it because of my skin color? Is it because of my, my sex? Is it because of because of the size of my nose because like mm -hmm. all that stuff wears on you and so it, it's heavy and you know like when 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 i see brothers and sisters say they're tired they're just i feel that and you know and and um you know it's 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 tough and so i it's so important that we remember to always be kind and patient with ourselves and to know that mm. just us being here and loving each other and encouraging each other is revolutionary and that black joy is for real. Um, and that um, I understand, you know, mm. like, Can I amend that, that black and brown joy is for real? Yes, yes, yes. I, listen. I, I amend that. No, okay. let me tell you something that's gonna make you laugh. You know, my middle name is Radha. My, my middle name is Radha. Um, oh, really? Yeah, my parents spent a lot of time 
my parents, my parents spent a lot of time in the um, uh, Hare Krishna temple. <laughs> so, so, so they really enjoyed Krishna and Radha, and they 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 named me Radha, and you know, and I, I find it interesting because Radha sort of represents humanity's longing for oneness with the divine, with God, and so I find it's a it's a very it's a cool it's a cool um, name and symbol and imagery and to have, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, when I was younger, I was like, Man, why is my middle name Radha? Like, you know, I should have an African middle name. You know, like, yo, but you know what? It all worked out. Like, you know, going to India a few times. pathway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I say that to say, for me, as much as I am very pro-black, you're married to a black man, you, you know, like, you understand the, like, as much as I am very pro-black, I... I have a meditation that's just called I am. I hope that we also have time to examine, to experience the self that is before your name, before your race, before your gender, if you're binary, if, if you're non-binary, your class, your all of that stuff, your personality, which is everything. Like a, yeah, all of that, right? There's an I and there's an am before your name and everything that follows, all your success, your career, all of that. If you let that go for a moment and just sit with I am and sit with that for a moment, I am, I am, I am. And, mm. and it's up for you. And because when you, when you sit with that frequency of I am, you start to see, well, if I am and you are, that means we are. And sit we with are, right. You know, we are, we are. And, and because what has happened is that we all, we all get caught up with our story, the story of ourselves. And the story of ourselves is, is, is highly, it's based on race and color and, and sex and gender. Heavily narrated, yeah. And that's an element of it. But who we truly are will never need to be defended, never needs to be like, never, you never need to prove anything. Who you are, who I am, who we are, what this, energy what this planet is what is fundamentally people say spirit energy whatever it, and so to it's also important to remember while we're resisting the onslaught of racism and sexism and ageism and ableism to remember at the same time that there's oneness there's wholeness mm. and so tap into that because that's where you'll find your peace and your power that's where you that's where you experience love that's where and that's where you it flows you know so um you know that was my only concern it, coming back to north I america i feel like that's the most i feel you and you know what i feel like we have to leave it at that and that oneness and that stillness and before we wrap everything i just want you to shout out your website and the name of your book and your meditation site and i want to sincerely thank you the floor is yours go for it oh, oh, thank you um so my website is when the village meditates.com or you can do femalemitchell.com and we'll lead you there so femalemitchell.com social media everything is Fimo Mitchell, and the book is called Pastel Remembrances. You can get it at uh, Librairie Racine, which is a great bookstore here in Montreal, 
are you can go if you're into Amazon, you can get on Amazon. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has been great. We talked for a long time. <laughs> really, I'm only wrapping because the meeting is going to end and I got that notice that we're going to get cut off. That's why I. I'm like, oh, okay, we've got to now. So I don't want to be able, I don't want to be in the middle of the thank you and then it, it shuts us down. So, bro, I got to tell you, I I haven't gotten as long as I wanted to. And um, you're a light that shines. You're like Montreal's common. We all love you for it. Um, And do your work, do like you, like you are, you are the truth and I, I respect and definitely find grace and gratitude in connecting with you. And I'm happy that we got the chance to do this. So thank you. Oh, thank you. This has been, wow. Wow. Um, this is, I'm, I'm full. I'm full right now. It's been beautiful. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks for listening and listening, looking at It's About Time. I am Zita. This is FEMO. I'll have more info on our show notes about FEMO where you can see more from him. And let me know if you have any comments. I'm always here for you. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>